Welcome to Teacher Talks. After having such great conversations with innovators and thought leaders in the field of education, we looked around our community for practitioners in the field who joined us to discuss what these themes could look like in actual everyday classrooms, pre-K through 12th grade. Real talk with real teachers. Let's get into it. Hi, and welcome to Teacher Talks, the podcast in which I sit down with three or two, this week, three amazing teachers uh, to talk through the themes of the interview of the week. This week, we spoke with Michael Nakbar and had fabulous conversations um, with the instructor of GOA, all about curriculum and how we think about instruction in these particular unique, unprecedented times. And so um, I'm just super eager to introduce my guests for the day. They are three of my favorite colleagues to work with, and um, I know are going to have just fabulous insights. Um, so Gracie, you are the newbie on campus, and so why don't you start? Yeah, sure. So I have jumped into um, the mix here. This year, I teach AP Bio and Anatomy and Physiology to all seniors. Awesome, awesome. We are so glad to have you on campus. What a year to start teaching high school. Absolutely. <laughs> was Absolutely, this, was yeah. this your first experience teaching? This is my first time actually in a classroom. So before I've done um, slightly more or less formal education, um, like in the actual forest, like in the woods. Um, so this time was my first experience in the classroom and um, it's, it's been fun adjusting to that. I actually knew that about you, but I just wanted everybody else listening to know that about you because I think that's so cool. And I think we need to do a whole other podcast about outdoor spaces and learning. That. So we'll do that later. Um, but for now, we're going to think about the teaching of science Great. in relation to these themes. Okay. Thank you, Gracie. And then by coincidence, we have two language experts in the house. This is an amazing moment to have both of you two together. Wesley, you want to start? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am Wesley Saylor, and uh, I have been here for six years. Um, this is my first official job teaching at the high school level, right? And um, I, I count my blessings. I, it's been fortunate, um, a wonderful experience. I teach all the French levels um, right now. So that's levels one, two, three, four, AP. Um, but no, I, I love it. It's a passion of mine. So I'm very happy to be doing it. Wesley has contributed quite a few blogs to the IT blog, which this podcast is also linked to. So I really recommend you check out and try to search his name to find out some things. Wesley, you do so many cool things in your classroom to bring French to life really quick. I know this isn't the subject, but will you give us a flavor of some, something cool that you do? So our listeners get a sense. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, in about two weeks, we are going to be doing our family reunion in level Yay! four. Um, and I have it set up like a uh, very murder mystery style. So the students are responsible for finding out their relationship with each other uh, while also gaining information about, their, um, about the people. And during the time, they have to uh, play a character, express a certain adjective that they've been assigned. Mm -hmm so that um, the other members in the class can fill out a family tree determined, you know, based on what their, the family reunion. So um, that's always been fun, very successful. We've never had any issues, but the kids enjoy it. So that, and uh, I'll give you one more. Bonus. Yes. <laughs> the most popular one is the Francophone wedding. We have an actual Francophone wedding where the students, they first do a project exploring Francophone wedding traditions and they get to pick their favorite um, of all the different traditions, and then we have a francophone wedding. So we have a bridegroom and best man and 
maid of honor and they to write their vows and they have to use the future and the conditional tense. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's one of the most popular ones that we have. So You didn't mention the delicious treats at the end. I just, I feel like Wesley incorporates delicious food into all oh, of the things. So that's, that's a key, key, I think. Yes. After we, we, at the wedding, we provide pettit fours. Mm, most important. Yeah. So, and we, ha I get them uh, professionally made by somebody. So they're, they have like, you know, French symbols and stuff on them. <laughs> so yeah, they enjoy that. And he invites me sometimes guys. So Thanks so much. I just, I'm going to mention that I might be around for the next one. So <laughs> save me a pedophore. You're welcome to <laughs> And last but not least, our amazing chair um, of our world languages and um, my, my buddy across kind of my neighbor, although we haven't gotten to see each other too much, and my dog friend, uh, Nancy Rivas. Uh, hi. Um, my name is Nancy Rivas, and I'm known as Senora Rivas. And um, so I teach um, Spanish levels um, uh, two, I mean, three, four, five. I used to five. Now we don't have five, but AP. And, um, you know, mostly that's uh, intermediate, advanced levels of Spanish, um, a couple of years Italian. So kind of like my, my love uh, has to do with languages and pedagogy, and so there, there I am. Sixteen years, by the way. It's, it's. I've been. I came in very young, right? Almost like uh, from cradle. Um, so I've been, I've been enjoying the experience here at St. Andrews. Yeah, if you all could see Nancy right now, you would be shocked that she has been here this long. And Nancy, Don't make me blush. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I just want to say that Nancy is one of the most fun people to come into her classroom and watch teach. She just comes alive in this way. Wesley's nodding. You must, you've seen her, too. I transform, She right? does. She transforms. And, be, and, and I have never seen someone utilize all of their sort of senses and their arms and their... Uh, to, to help students yeah. decode and make sense of a really full Spanish class in which the target language is all that's spoken. And even me with the rustiest Spanish of all, I actually feel like I can almost hang in that spot because of all the scaffolding you provide and all of the ways. So anyway, you're such It's exhausting though, because you really uh, perform. Um, and that's probably, we're just talking about how, how times, um, you know, I have a full day. Uh, of classes and in, at the end it's like pretty sausage just yes. because of the you know the, the physicality that goes into that and so <laughs> some some days like you're sort of like a, a, a really crush and, and go home and it's just like that's it uh, so yeah but it's exciting it is um I, I think students will agree here at this table that um students infuse a lot of that energy and um that that definitely sort of fits um, I tell them like kind of like vampire, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, getting the life of them, the energy. Um, so I become energized, and and that's very lovely to Absolutely. have. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thanks, everybody. I could talk to all three of you all day about just your own classrooms, um, but we all came together today to talk a little bit about this interview uh, that we listened to uh, with Michael Nakbar, and I found him really interesting, particularly because he just like dove into concrete teaching, like one of, and all three of you are interested, I know, in those nuances of sort of curriculum and what does design look like, and I just love how he could immediately kind of speak teacher speak. Um, and so I'm going to pretty much shut up and let y'all just have a conversation um, around really like what stuck out to you, what do you have questions about, what reminded you of things you're thinking about. Um, the floor is open. Well, I think I'm going to go ahead and start off by asking, um, well, one of the things that really stood out to me was lightening the cognitive load. I loved that. 
I absolutely love that. And um, the the Catalyst cards. I, both of you, did you guys get a chance to watch the video? No. So, I mean, the Catalyst cards are really quite um, interesting. It's like a deck of cards, a box of cards that really kind of helps you create the experience and go through the journey of the experience with the students. And I think they would be incredibly useful. I really do. So for our, we're going to link these on our um, show notes so that mm. everybody listening can link right to them. But can you, for the listeners, give us some examples of like what's written on those cards? And if you, if you recall. Uh, on the video, they were pretty blurry. Like you really couldn't ah, okay. see what was written on the card. Yeah. But there was like um, uh, three sets of cards in the box. And the first set was essentially like a, uh, setting up the experience. Um. The second set was essentially um, uh, creating the relationship, the connections with the experience. And the third set was essentially like um, go and enjoy, have the experience, um. that sort of thing. Um, so that's, yeah, I... I I really appreciated that, and I, I really would like to explore that sort of teaching, um, explore that sort of classroom style. We'll have to get some of those and yeah. report back, sort of. And I'm assuming the focus, my understanding, was on sort of the online experience and designing. Mm -hmm. But my assumption is they could also be really utilized for any kind of teaching design, right? Yes, like, absolutely. How do you design a face-to-face? -face? How I, do you design a hybrid? I, mm -hmm. And honestly, it'll be. I think they would be perfect for the virtual learning. Yeah. Like, I really do. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Speaking, speaking of um, that very uh, first thing, the the uh, designing, um, and and I think it was you or um, it probably was just mentioned uh, designing learning experiences, and I think that kind of resonates especially uh, this year. So I I do love. I think I think the the part the part that I don't get paid for, I just do it because I really like it. It's part of my. Uh, personal experience and how I get, um, you know, um, can be creative and I can design activities and resources for classes. And that's kind of like the part in which I just feel energized and um, thinking of my students and how can I design them. And I didn't think about being the term designing learning experience. It's just like designing those activities for yeah. my students. Yeah. But it, it's, I, I guess, the uh, meaningfulness of how meaningful it is when you come to um, sort of elaborate more in terms of the term. And definitely, I think we all agree uh, that we have an array of activities. And then when we either go to the classroom or when we are you know, taking those experiences from one year to the next, or one from one class to the next one, they actually had to be tweaked they have to be adjusted. They have, because of the very fact that our students really infuse some, uh, or they have the input into what we sort of like thought of, and then uh, we sort of like end up having something, you know, to change. And and I think at the core of those decisions of you know where you're designing, where you're having those uh, activities, is is you were thinking seriously about your students, yeah. and 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 um, how they will either. Um, sort of like um, either change them or adjust them or uh, produce more out of that. Mm -hmm. So I think I, I love the phrase. I love it stuck with me. And I know that you were sort of like getting into, Julie, especially uh, into how you tell your students when you were teaching uh, your pedagogical uh, right. course, right. pedagogical course, and you were doing that. And um, indeed, and I think we, we, we come uh, more in terms of, you know, when we are um, providing or creating our lesson plans, and we have that mm. in mind more so. We do, but it's just, I think, it just brings more clarity, I guess. Yeah. 
uh, into the design. So, I would have to agree with that completely. Um, that phrase really changed my perspective. Um, I wish I would have thought about that phrase or heard that phrase, you know, back when I started a few months ago. <laughs> um, I came in yeah. really with the idea that I should be a teacher in front of the room teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, the, that's the only way and, frankly, the best way, I thought, for the students to learn was me give them all the information. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been working on shifting that perspective away from giving them everything up front to how can I actually get them involved in the learning process. Um, and now with this phrase of designing a learning experience versus being the teacher teaching, um, I've been able to think about you know, my lesson plans even, even for next week. Um, I, I'm ready to apply that right away. Like what, what does that really look like um, when I'm dealing with such complicated subject material like I get in AP Bio especially. Yeah, all these decisions that you have to make in terms of, you know, uh, at a larger context in terms of curriculum, but at the same time, less on day by day, you Mm -hmm. know, daily practice. And that's where you have that perspective uh, from, again, from the uh, micro, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, to the more elaborated standpoint, which is, you know, looking at throughout the curriculum. So you do have some expectations towards the goal at the end, but at the same time, they have to be modified by daily practice and, you know, all these, um, you know, needs. Um, the right. students definitely will tell you what their needs are, and you you have to adjust, definitely. And the conditions of this year particularly oh, are. Mm. Oh, let's talk about this year a little bit. How, <laughs> let's just like real talk, it's been insane, and we're all exhausted, and like, in relation to either things he said or just things you've learned I mean a big piece of this whole podcast series is just about like hey teachers <laughs> we we just made it through an incredibly hard um, year and uh, we're gonna all be healing for a while we're all gonna need rest and also we have acquired new skills and we are learning new things and it's both and it's not either or um, but yeah how how are you <laughs> how are you <laughs> it has compared to the past, the other years um, this has been a big year of learning, um, yeah. big year of growth or like change and discovering new things that to make it work. Um, you know, I, yeah, it just it has been interesting having the whole both in-person and virtual mm-hmm. aspect, um, which I will say is pretty the challenge. I would rather have one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I do see some of the value in some uh, virtual learning, I yeah. will say. I, I've learned that this year, but it really does need to be one or the other. It's just, it's kind of hard to have our, it yes. Really, yes. especially with language acquisition and learning and mm-hmm. like, um, I, I'm definitely a project-based learning person, but i still struggling trying to find the right project that fits both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I, I, I do feel like that what you're saying is right. I feel like I have um, uh, concerns about, you know, um, especially for languages, as you mentioned, um, you know, if, uh, I can tell the difference between students being in the classroom, being actively seeing each other's face and participating and I can tell, you know, that the, definitely there's, there's, it's not as effective, let's say that, uh, when they're online. And then just like, uh, you sort of like unmute, just a simple fact that they have to go and unmute themselves. Yeah. It's just mm. sort of like, uh, let me, hold on, just 
teacher, give me a second, what would you say at the end? So these are kind of things that little some things barriers that will prevent from more fluid participation. And that's uh, for languages that affect. And, um, but definitely, uh, Wesley, the, lots of learning uh, this year. Um, lots of uh, adjustments, flexibility mm -hmm. <laughs> on our hands. Thinking on your feet, thinking uh, on your feet, uh, absolutely. Absolutely, definitely. Um, but, um, you know, and, and that's what we, we're talking about, you know, learning how to uh, create lesson plans that, you know, um, sort of like will respond to our students' needs mm -hmm. when they're virtual. And, um, you know, we've been used to in-person students. And not only that, but then you have to also just in-person and virtual, because that's another kind of an environment. Right, I, I um, was trying to connect those ideas that Michael was talking about, mostly concerning asynchronous virtual learning. Yes. Whereas yeah. we are only in the place of hybrid synchronous learning. Mm. Um, so I, I, I was trying to connect those ideas and how that would transfer over um, as I was listening to, to that section. You're right, I mean like, so GOA, that is their thing, right? Their thing is 100% creating great courses and great professional level of development to create these asynchronous kinds of course experiences. But I agree that there are so many components that like, I think I talked about in the interview, the wayfaring, like the ability to design something that you can navigate easily mm -hmm. is like something that we could use even in our face-to-face -face classes if we're using a learning platform. I have to shout out while we're talking about this. There was a science example. There was. There was. This isn't why I asked you, Gracie, <laughs> but I just want to say photosynthesis came up. So I have to ask, because one point that Michael was making is that a gift, or I don't think gift is the right word, a side effect of this madness <clears throat> has been... Um, how we've responded and adapted in relation to the shifts, right? And so, so for example, his example was this fabulous teacher I work with in a face-to-face -face class would always do this thing with a slide deck where the students would create a slide deck to illustrate photosynthesis. It just wasn't working this year. There wasn't so much contact and he wasn't able to scaffold it as well in person. So instead he had them, um, he created the slide deck and had them narrate it. And I love this example with a capital, capital L, because in a way, I think a lot of times when we talk about these new approaches, they're always like, the teacher does less, and they open it up mm. for students just to figure it out and mm. explore. And I, you guys know I love inquiry-based stuff. Like, I'm all into it. But I think so often we make a huge mistake when we're like, the teacher doesn't need to be there. Like, mm. can't we, we, no, like, we are the experts in our discipline. This is why we're here. Mm. And often they need more, not less sort of mm -hmm. structure and help. Um, so I love that example because it 100% flipped this notion of when they're online, you just completely let them figure it out. And no, like, actually, they need, to, they need me to give them the slide deck mm -hmm. with all of the stuff. Right. But... I'm making them give voice to it, not making them. I'm empowering them <laughs> to give voice to it. So I really have to get an actual science person's take who really understands photosynthesis. And I don't know, what were your thoughts when you heard that? Right, right. I definitely, I'm excited to add that to my, that arrow to my quiver, if you will. Um, I think that it works so well for something like photosynthesis because it's a, it's a sequential process. We have a starting line and we have a finish line. Yeah. Um, so... I think that would work really well for things where you already know what the sequence is and you could be able to pick out really um, specifically where the student got things really right or yeah. got things wrong. You'd yeah. be able to see that with something like photosynthesis. Um, but I, I'm definitely excited to add that to, to my um, ideas for next year. 
Maybe there's a language thing. <laughs> no, I don't know. Definitely, I'll pick up on something you just said, and Wesley will help me. Um, um, absolutely. I mean, it, it looks so wonderful. Our students are producing that, but there's so much groundwork and oh, so yes. so much work uh, behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the part that, I mean, I enjoy that. Uh, but at the same time, it's a creative process, and also there are two things there. Uh, one is, you know, having time to actually oh. get inspired mm. and also training. I mean, it, it doesn't come naturally <laughs> per se. We're just we're not born in being instructors, but definitely we definitely we grow into yeah. and the more experience and the more we're listening to each other. Right. right. Um, so we, we come with wonderful ideas. And that's what one of the things that he mentioned was being um, deliberate mm. and uh, being intentional. And also being clear about your expectations and what you want uh, from from whatever you're creating. So definitely, uh, I know Wesley been working on his weddings, <laughs> the French wedding. So I mean, we had conversations about you know the treasure hunt or I mean all these activities, right, Wesley? Yes. Uh, so I mean, some of the projects I've had that I usually do, I've had to kind of put aside because I haven't figured out a way to make them. But we did have a virtual wedding. And, and a fashion show. And we did have a fashion mm -hmm. show, um, and that worked pretty well. Um, as far it actually worked really well with the students that were virtual. Like we actually um, yeah. made it work. You know, they were able to do it in their own bedrooms. We watched it up on the big screen. <laughs> it was cool. We had people reading for each other, so that worked out really well. Uh, the wedding we did was instead of having the area uh, where they got to decorate it, everybody had got to show. The bride and groom got to choose the background that they get to put on everybody's screen, mm -hmm. right? So that that was huh. getting to be at the beach or getting to be at you know. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that yeah. that came out pretty well, and we digitally signed the contract. Okay, <laughs> so tweaks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I, I had I mean this, this year has certainly forced me to figure out how to make things move, change, and adapt, and, yeah. you know, and trying to mm -hmm. see what other arrows I have in my quiver because I didn't know they were there. Right, right. And, and you're definitely offering them an experience yes. uh, of, of, you know, there's the context to that, the language context, there's an experience. It's it's a task to perform also. Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely intentional in terms of, you know, this is the outcome, this is how you're going to end up. You know, there's a, there's a lot of process in a product yeah. at the end. And that's one of the things I will mention about how important it is work on the process as we are also intentional about the results. Uh, not only grading the results, but also making sure that there is a process and we're involved in that. And that's the part that, you know, you facilitate. And you're not definitely just pointing out, in, you know, and definitely you're, you know, but definitely that's kind of what, what I've seen you, Wesley, working on, on those tasks. And, you know, they enjoy it, uh, mm -hmm. going out and explore and, and make sure that they, yeah. they're, they're actually using the target language um, to produce. I find it's hard for me um, as a not so experienced teacher right now um, to find the balance with project-based learning and how much front-loading is really required yeah, for right. students to be able to then synthesize the project. I think sometimes I prematurely introduce the project me without too. them having yes. yeah. the required knowledge to really give me a quality project in the end. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd like to hear y'all's input about 
Well, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I think that's okay because, I mean, mm. maybe they get to go find the knowledge that they need to go do the project. Right. You know, that's, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And th- I think they will take more ownership of the land. You know, he talked about taking, I mean, having the students mm-hmm. take their own ownership of their learning. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, just, yeah. Um, and also there's a tension, Wesley, because sometimes that's exactly what we feel like. We have not enough time or, uh, oh, my mm, word, I mm, have to finish whatever mm. lesson or content. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, would I have time or my students to take a, a week and a half or two weeks to work on this? And that's when I personally find myself <laughs> stress a, a lot, stressing a lot because of that very fact. And I I, I own it. I definitely have to tell you that's one of my, you know, uh, I've been working on it because I do feel that there is definitely a lot to gain, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, when right. you are doing that because mm-hmm. there is a learning process. As you, Wesley, pointed out, definitely there's so much for them to learn as they are doing yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I'm thinking like, mm, should I be, that's enough. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so, but the, definitely I, I can see that, um, and uh, as far as, you know, there's there's a lot of thinking that goes into how to mm-hmm. present it, how, what's the pacing of that project, mm-hmm. um, how long. Wesley is very good, I think, uh, in terms of, you know, giving short deadlines mm-hmm. and things like that. A lot of times I will do that, like having, you know, by Tuesday you should have already decided on this, and then by Wednesday you should have already written this, and, you know, mm-hmm. that's... Um, giving them those goalposts to help get there at the post to like the night before I'm doing everything <laughs> which is what will happen because we are human Wait, yes yes I, I will admit I did do that when a teacher did that to me and <laughs> right. I, don't li- I did not like how I felt so that's why I try to do that I try to do the small mm-hmm. goal post and, and you know because of the way actually uh, you know uh, we have our students virtual and assessment has changed mm-hmm. and um, I'm the way I'm assessing is open book yeah. Which has changed all my, I mean, it wow. has yeah. meant uh, my, you know, I have to change mindset, period. Uh, from, uh, you know, memorizing vocabulary um, uh, to present to a war bank and things like that uh, on a sheet of paper, uh, books closed to something like, okay, let's put it on there. And I do feel like they are learning. I just I honestly have to see. <laughs> that the retention and that's kind of like you know exactly i will assess that as years you know the next year and so on um um, and i think that's kind of the questions our you know uh, faculty will have in terms of retention things that we used to have um, our students who memorize lists of words in context Mm -hmm. in context we we do that but at the same time um you know uh, we sort of require them to to not have the book open so now the design comes into let's have it in a context. How do you put it? Mm-hmm. So we tweak it, we yeah. adjust it, and sure, have it open. Uh, let's see how we're gonna incorporate that um, word, expression, word, verb, whatever, into a, a larger situation or context. So that's where we are, and, and that's kind of like, you know, has to do with all the adjustments that we have to make. Well, Gracie and I just had this great lunch, and uh, it was really sunny that day and it beautiful. Was. I remember there was a picnic table, and you had this exact sort of moment question, and it's so interesting. It's the exact same in A and P as it is in languages mm-hmm. in terms of memorization mm-hmm. and this idea of okay, so now we're in this space where like I couldn't give them like typically the content so much it was memorization. Mm-hmm. 
And so then the question becomes not so much what do we do right now? Like we've sort of, we're doing what we're doing and it's open book and there are good things and bad things about what we've learned. But I think the question you had predominantly and the one that we're all wrestling with is like, but what about an August? Like what, so maybe that's a question for everybody. Like what, what, what are we going to do in August now that we've had this year of open book, all the things, are we going back to closing the books? Are we doing half and half? Like, do we like it a little bit? has this changed how we're going to teach forever or was this just a blip in a year um I don't think Michael really gave us an answer about what to do about that he did talk a lot about project base and in depth versus breadth and some of these things do apply I think but I'm just really curious I also by the way really liked how he said there are so many as you said quivers lecture is not inherently bad closed book tests are not inherently bad right they produce a particular outcome so if we're being delivered it's okay it's just let's not just replicate what we've always done just because we've always done it that's the Mm -hmm. thing we're trying to avoid so Mm -hmm. with all of our deliberation like what are we gonna do next year i think i have learned i'm gonna keep quizzes and do more application projects at the um, summative assessment um, at the end of each unit. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I think I want to do less of those tests okay. at the end of each unit. Yeah. I think, I mean, that depend, I think that'll depend on the unit, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest. Um, but yeah, I, I, after this year, I, that's the change I want to make, oh, is I want to do more of those sort of um, application stuff and less of the multiple choice. I know, we like multiple choice sometimes, but I want to that. I mean, that's the goal yeah. in language learning. And then that way, with the quizzes, you're still having like a, a checkpoint with them to make sure that they are doing that necessary front loading mm-hmm. um, be, before they jump into the summative project, which I, I really like that. Mm-hmm. I like that idea. I, I agree. I think, uh, I think in many ways, um, there's, there's a shift, I guess, yeah. in the paradigm. And I think. Uh, in education, uh, this is a moment of reflection and <laughs> uh, in, in, uh, sort of collective and individual. And I think, um, you know, going back into what we used to, that's not the case. That won't be the case. Um, there's a lot of uh, that we gain in terms of, you know, how we sort of like shifted things in, for instance, this one. Um, and um, in terms of, you know, how we do it. Definitely, uh, as far as languages go, it's it's. It's, it's task-based, it's skills-based. That's our goal, that's our end goal, communication. So, um, and, but, I mean, I have to admit, I am a, a, a grammar and linguist, um, you know, uh, sort of like, I love it. I love the, the, the structure, the part of it. And it, it, it will continue happening to a, a, to a different, uh, in, in the different levels, um, you know, in, in, we'll, we'll make it happen. So. But the again, uh, it's important to continue with the process, the application, mm-hmm. and sort of like making sure our students are, um, you know, reacting to learn as opposed to just in, in, uh, an immediate reaction as opposed to you know long-term, um, you know, um, application and uh, you know retention. Uh, I don't know if that word retention will resonate well with. That's kind of like no, it matters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, transfer. Retention yeah. is important for the brain, like for the brain to function. Like mm-hmm. it, it, I. I I don't know how to explain it. It's just important for the brain. You know, like Particularly in languages. So right. Like, come on, right? Yeah, like, like, yeah. We're, we're strengthening ourselves, just like keeping us thinking, keeping mm. us going, and like being able to pull, like we're on the spot. Mm. You know, we remember something yeah. to help us with it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why we want that. It is clear to me that all of you retend did a lot. 
retained a lot from the podcast and this has just been such a great uh conversation of like you know here are things I got but also just like how are you and checking in and I just wish honestly we could just do this with every single member of our faculty I mean right like right. The, for me these are the conversations uh, that help us all grow and heal and make sense of what's next and but as you have said Nancy a couple times in various ways like time is finite and I think thinking through all the things Michael talked about all the things we've talked about in the context of also like time is finite and how can we build in time for this um, that doesn't eat up our wellness and mm -hmm. you know all of that is also in my head absolutely yeah I have to say one thing that I've um, it really resonated in terms of you know the school being a community and I love the fact that we're given this chance and I have to tell you I was nervous um, because of the fact that uh, will be my voice and some someone else will be listening <laughs> to me and uh, I'll be you know says whatever and so I think the involvement of the community I'm, I'm talking about uh, parents being part of it yeah. um, not only it's just education is not only uh, you know faculty are experts that's right um and and in just you know in, in involved uh, we need uh, different constituencies there. Um, I think it is important that uh, w uh, we listen to each other and that there is a clarity on what we do. Uh, we do care, we are intentional in our professions, but most, more than anything, uh, the love for uh, our students, our kids. And that is definitely one thing that we have to sort of like keep going and working on uh, towards um, be you know, knowing that we are collaborating and we're, you know, making our best, especially um, in situations such, such as this, challenging and, you know, uh, and, and at times um, stressful. Um, and so, I don't know if you, if you uh, feel that way, but I feel that um, a lot of um, times, you know, I, I've been supported uh, in, in, in this effort this year. Oh, I'm so glad you felt that way, and what a like beautiful kind of note to end on. This <laughs> I'm getting a little teary. We Wesleyer, this notion of love, right? Really, community, and um, oh, I love your point. It's not just faculty either. It is, it is our students, and it is our, uh, it is our parents, and right. all of these folks care very, very deeply about uh, the education we have at our school, and, and, and teachers listening to other schools. The same is true. Uh, uh, schools are really magical in their purpose and at their best they're incredible and at their worst of course there's all sorts of flaws and things that we want to fix um, but uh, the, the heart of the, the enterprise of education is is beautiful I, I totally believe there's nothing I'd rather dedicate my life toward as well so oh, likewise <laughs> thank you for that any other final words I, I mean, on this, on this good note here, I think this year has really um, shown everyone how resilient we can be. Mm -hmm. um, over and over again, we just had obstacles to overcome. And I think something that really stuck with me was whenever we had that snow week, we had a, basically a week of not meeting our students when we had no idea that was going to come. Other years, that would have been really, really almost traumatic for everyone and thrown off everything. This year, I think everyone said, we got it. <laughs> oh, well. It's okay. <laughs> we got it. We, we can move on. So um, just, just thinking about how resilient we are as teachers, as students, and then as the entire school community has, has been really special for me as, um, as a person that's here for the first time. Mm -hmm.
Well, we're happy to have you. <laughs> we're so happy. <laughs> we're so happy you're here. Thank you so much, Wesley, Nancy, Gracie. And um, let's keep talking and keep working through and uh, grateful for all you do for our community.